Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 4th of October and it's Stay in Christian History. We were back to the year 1669 and we travelled to Holland where we remembered the death of the Dutch painter Rembrandt Homens van Rijn. Rembrandt was known as the painter of the soul for his often biblical art. During the Renaissance, much of present-day Belgium, Holland and Luxembourg were part of the Duchy of Burgundy. And this region called the Burgundian Netherlands experienced a great flowering of the arts in the 1400s and early 1500s. Wealthy patrons such as Margaret of Austria promoted the arts and works of art were in great demand not only within the Netherlands but also across the continent. The cities of Bruges and Antwerp were major centres for the distribution of art, helping to spread Netherlandish art and styles throughout Europe. The Dutch artists of Rembrandt's day gained a lot of respect painting still life, landscapes and scenes that glorified ordinary life. But these subjects, lucrative as they were, never held much interest for Rembrandt who was captivated by the powerful Bible stories his mother used to read him in 1631. In his 25th year, Rembrandt painted an elderly woman reading a great heavy Bible. Though he may have intended to depict a biblical figure, some historians say he was thinking of his mother, whom he had no doubt often seen with the Bible open on her lap. And the painting was done with obvious affection. His contemporaries painted from the Bible too, but not with the passion of Rembrandt, who remains famous for capturing the character's emotions and involving his viewers in the stories. To add to the authenticity of his Bible images, Rembrandt consulted Jewish rabbis. In 1641, Philip's Angel a contemporary of Rembrandt, praised his historical accuracy and far-reaching knowledge, with specific reference to the painting Samson's Wedding, and Rembrandt's use of Josephus as an alternative historical source and a corollary to the Bible. Until recently, Rembrandt's wide reading has little been acknowledged, Although much attention has been paid to his wide-ranging visual sources, influenced by the Italian High Baroque and Renaissance painters. Rembrandt integrated his reading in his visual library, so that his works developed from a range of textual and pictorial sources. With recently the scholars Pearl of and Silver, indicating how religious literacy that Rembrandt read often with their illustrations, contributed in a fundamental way to his imagery. This has opened up a new branch of inquiry into appreciating Rembrandt's art and has raised many questions that will foster discussions on how Rembrandt read his various Bibles, looking at their many illustrations and gained much information from personal contacts. 
He was the ninth of ten children born to Harmen and Nilke. Three of the ten children died at birth, two before Rembrandt's arrival, and the third when he was three years old. And he grew up in a Protestant Dutch Reformed home in Leiden, a town famous for science and in some circles for its hospitality to some of the Pilgrim Fathers. See the podcast of January the 21st. His father Herman's upbringing was Roman Catholic, but by the time of his marriage to Rembrandt's mother Cornelia, Harmon had joined the Dutch Reformed Church. Cornelia also had been brought up Roman Catholic, but Rembrandt was educated at Leiden's Calvinist Latin School from the ages of 7 to 14. But he lived with the Bible right through his life. But perhaps because of the religious turmoil, Rembrandt was not a practicing member of any church. At age 17, he left Leiden to study art in Amsterdam, where he would live for the rest of his life. And in Amsterdam, he developed both his affinity for depicting dramatic personal reactions, and also for the technique of chiaro oscuro, the painting in light and dark, which had been developed by Leonardo da Vinci in Caravaggio in Italy. Rembrandt never went abroad, but he was considerably influenced by the work of the Italian masters and the Dutch artists who had studied in Italy, like Peter Paul Rubin. And in most of his paintings, light emerges from darkness, drawing the viewer into the scene. By the late 1620s, he was already a renowned artist. The Leyden's miller's son is much praised, but before his time wrote one critic, and a year later the secretary of the Prince of Orange wrote an enthusiastic report commending Rembrandt's penetration into the essence of his subjects. This penetration perhaps explains his lasting appeal. His work still speaks to us not just because they are technically brilliant, but because Rembrandt applied the Bible to himself. One of his last paintings is The Return of the Prodigal Son, in which we see the younger son told in the Gospel of Luke being welcomed back by his father, who in a gesture of reconciliation acceptance has lovingly put both his hands on him. The son has come home. It's a story that Rembrandt clearly identified with in his turbulent life. He had married the wealthy and beautiful Saskia van Ullenberg, who during the rest of her life was his inspiration. This was a time of professional triumph as portrait commissions poured in and his paintings were highly praised. But though Rembrandt's and Saskia's marriage was a happy one, it was also full of sorrow and tragedy. Three children were born and died before a son, Titus, survived infancy. But the pregnancy was too difficult for Saskia. And she died the following year. Rembrandt was then plagued by financial difficulties, mainly because of his extravagant living. Perhaps it was his way of dealing with grief. And when he purchased an expensive house in 1639... 
it placed him deep in debt. Rembrandt acknowledged this extravagance by painting himself as the prodigal son, squandering money in the taverns with his wife. He often featured himself in his biblical paintings. In the raising of the cross, he even kept himself in his modern clothes to emphasise his personal involvement in the crucifixion. He believed the personalities in the Bible were like those of his Amsterdam acquaintances. So he painted these characters as he would his friends, with the greatest and most natural emotion. In 1656, Rembrandt was forced to file for bankruptcy and an old Bible is listed amongst his possessions in his bankruptcy inventory and he lost his house, his art collection and soon after, his pride and self-esteem. He was forbidden from selling his own works and he had to work for a firm set up by his servant Heinrich and his son Titus. In 1663, Heinrich died, and in 1668, Titus died. And the following year, Rembrandt himself died, leaving behind only one daughter, 650 paintings, 280 etchings, and 1,400 drawings. Among his last works was The Return of the Prodigal Son, which depicts the opulent and sinful sinner returning home to the presence of his father. Many of Rembrandt's images allowed for varied interpretations of faith and his patrons were diverse and included various Christian denominations, Catholics and Jews. In nearly every case, Rembrandt tries to steer a middle course Protestantism was already splintering and his art allowed members of each of the major Protestant denominations, whether Reformed, Remonstrant, Mennonite or Collegiate, to project themselves into the role of the faithful. Accuracy in representing Old Testament figures was an issue in the 17th century and Rembrandt was not consistent in his depiction of Jews throughout his career. He did not always view them in a favourable light. His depictions range from general types in his earlier paintings to demonic caricatures to individualised people. Only occasionally are these depictions rooted in personal observation. However, if we read the texts of Calvin, Luther, Grotius and others, we get a full sense of the currents and the cross-currents of the theological issues of the Dutch 17th century. To model Jesus, he picked a Jew. And to represent Judas, he depicted a painfully regretful traitor who had torn out his hair in distress. To help us know religious hypocrisy and pomp, he painted temple officials, far more interested in the coins Judas had thrown down than in the man in deep grief. And Rembrandt's Mary at the tomb on Easter morning is so human. That's all from the Pearl of Great Price today. Thanks for listening. Join us tomorrow if you can as we look at how Christians took control of the government in Uganda. Thanks in part to the courage of an Anglican, Mukasa.
This month, we have surpassed 10,000 downloads. So thank you to listeners from all over the world for your interest. Today, a special thank you to our listeners in Kensington and Chelsea in London and in Ohio in America. Our archives can be found at www.pogp.net. And if you have time, please subscribe and share the podcast with friends. Thanks to Kevin McLeod for today's music. And thank you for listening.